0: And in studio now I have Minister of State Aidan on His responsibility for, this is quite a remit uh, for mm. communities, culture and equality and also you're spread across the Department of Justice and Equality as well as the Department of Arts, Heritage and the Gale talk. It's a long introduction isn't it Yeah. yeah. Good, mor- good afternoon to you anyway. Good
1: afternoon too, it's great to be here.
0: Okay, can I ask you um, just a little bit about yourself, uh, background. Were you a child prodigy as far as politics <laughs> were concerned?
1: definitely not uh, or in any other way either um no definitely not um god i would have had no involvement in politics at all in college um I come from a house that is politically aware the news is important like, I grew up in the 80s, so what was happening in Northern Ireland was important. My mum would, would have been growing up on the border, going, going to school in, in the north. So we'd be very politically aware, and election time would have been important in terms of watching it, but we wouldn't have participated, we wouldn't have been involved in the political party or anything. Okay. Um, that would have come later. A lot of people now are getting more political mind than they
0: ever had, had before. Mm. Uh, and So, when did your interest in, in politics get sparked?
1: Well, I suppose I always had an interest in it, but not necessarily... um well, to be involved in, in that, elections yeah. or anything. Yeah, I, it would have been when I got my job in, as a teacher in, in, in Sheriff Street in March of 2000. Um, I was aware of... I felt very strongly about the kids I was teaching in the school and when I went there I, I honestly only expected to stay there until the summer and then I expected to move off at that time there was lots of jobs and education mm-hmm. there was lots of vacancies around the place and you could get a permanent job in a school um, really had dropped the hat and I walked into that school in March 2000 I didn't really expect to stay too long but I just totally fell in love with the kids that I was teaching mm-hmm. I had 22 children 22 girls in, in the Lawrence Tools girls school in Sheriff Street and um I was teaching away and doing very well and setting up football teams that were, seemed to be winning everything and um, doing drama and reasonably popular with the parents. And um, I just became aware that there was only so much I could achieve in the classroom because there was issues of housing and issues of... of um, employment and, and wider issues of, of why the children weren't necessarily achieving as well as they should do because they're really, really bright kids. They're, you know, f- fantastically engaged kids. They were they're really, really um, talented. But for some reason, the, t- the tradition of education wasn't very of going to third level wasn't very strong in that immediate area, and I began to investigate in my own head the reasons as to why that was, why there was a kind of a cultural expectation of children from a certain mm-hmm. background not to not to achieve that. Much Just as, it, as a yeah. for, sorry, a quick response
0: from t- what's happening uh, today with the
1: with the strike and that. What way mm. would,
0: would you lean in that? What do you think it's? a uh, well, the proposal it looks, that that were performed.
1: Teachers are entitled to go on strike. And and workers are always entitled to withdraw their their labour. No, but, but the I'm, reasons
0: I'm I'm asking yeah, you. I, w- I wouldn't
1: I wouldn't agree with what they've done because I think look, everybody always says they want change until change happens, mm-hmm. and then they don't like change. And people say they want reform, and then reform comes along, and they say and they don't like it. I think what's happened with the junior service is completely different. We've been completely different to Ireland than we had. 20, 30 years ago when we had an intercert or a junior cert that people needed to go into the workforce, age mm-hmm. 15 or 16. That is no longer the case. We don't want people leaving uh, school at age 15 or 16 with an intercert or a junior cert, as it's called now. We want something which is different. that want children to learn differently in schools. There's lots of principals right across the north side. I mean, there's an article in the Irish Times there last week from Pat McKenna, who teaches in the principal at the school in Baldoyle. And Mount uh, Temple principal Ian Magomant both penned an article saying how much they appreciated the initiative, how they wanted to, to teach differently, they wanted junior the cert to have a different, uh, um, you know, emphasis on mm-hmm. uh, on a more expansive way of learning, a different way of learning, and to take that pressure off children or students at that age in their lives when they shouldn't be worrying about a state exam, they should be worrying, you know, they should be interested in learning. And the problem is that currently. What happens is that, in, particularly in second year, a lot of students are regressing and particularly particularly young lads and particularly working class uh, male students are really regressing, particularly in second years. In second year, they zone out and they, they don't generally zone back in again. So we need a system which is much more reflective of the needs and the capabilities and the abilities of students right across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. The junior certainly isn't doing that. Now, OK, they, there's an argument between the unions and the, and the minister as to as to where that balance should lie. The minister has moved, the unions haven't. Um, but look, the, the Minister for Education doesn't own the education system but neither do the teachers. Yeah. And the, the fundamental focus of this has to be the students. And when I became principal of my school, the Yeah, Sheriffs but they, they, they don't get a say in it, Well, this, the The students. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I remember when I became principal of my own school in Sheriff Street, one of the best of advice I ever got was make sure the child is at the centre of every decision you make. Now, that means that you'll have an argument with a, with a you know, a teacher or, or board of management member or parent, but nobody can ever question your integrity as the reason why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and o- too often in education we don't put children at the centre of things. We talk about geography uh, or we talk about ethos or we talk about religion. But what
0: age are you talking about when you say the children, the decision has to be Well them I that mean the, the
1: student in front of you the student that's, that's under your care, the student that you're responsible for. But that, how that, young that,
0: that, would you say that to them? I mean you don't want a kid of four or five saying to you well i mean, I know, the but young I mean person. in terms of this decision the structures you're, you're talking yeah, about. The, the yeah the yeah. decision
1: that you would make as a principal or lear- a decision that you'd make as a leader of learning in your mm-hmm. school, should always be around what's best for the student, not necessarily you know, not necessarily what's best for the teacher, okay. but what's best for the student. And the education system has to do the same. Okay, we move on. Uh, uh, we were talking about uh, now.
0: You've started off as a council, I think, in two thousand and four, mm. mm. and then two thousand and eleven became a minister, which was quite OCD rapid. First, and then the yeah. minister
1: earlier this so year. So, wh- yeah.
0: where, 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 was? The, the, when did you decide what party you were going uh, in? When you went into politics? Yeah, Just to go well, back to the beginning
1: you pick when, labour. When, when I when I when I was teaching and looking into housing structure and realising the the, um, the impact that the council could have, I remember 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 the day it happens. I remember saying to the children in my class, "Why don't you go down to the local library this Saturday and take out a book?" Because literacy is 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 a big big interest area of mine. And when I was a child, it used to be frog marched down by my ma down to the mm-hmm. local library where I was from, and I wanted them to have the same experience because you know literacy levels are. You know, it's really important that children have the ability to read it's it's a big problem uh, and they came back to me on Monday and said the library's not open on a Saturday and I began to wonder why is it that where I'm from the library's open on a Saturday but where they're from it isn't mm-hmm. and so then I began to realise the power of the council has in, in, in your average community's life The house, it's, a, it's the housing authority that houses people it provides the local halls it provides the local libraries it has a huge uh, impact on, on how people interact with each other and then I just began thinking as as to what what party was talking about these things and and had an interest in being in the position of influence because you can you can campaign all you want and you can you can protest all you want and you can you know you can you can do that and I've done that myself but there comes a position at a time when you actually want to have influence over how things can be improved and that's why I joined the Labour Party because I felt the Labour Party were the ones who were had an interest in getting in to the corridors of power and actually influencing that change and thankfully when I I joined the party I, I ran for election in 2004 I got elected in my first uh, election to the council It's actually my it, it's it's the election I look back on most fondly when I think of mm-hmm. all the things that have happened to me in the last 10 years that's the election I, I look back on with most most fondness. but within a within a year we got the uh, we got the library opened on a Saturday and it's still open on Saturday now in summer okay Hill.
0: I'm those, just Those, those uh, small, uh, practical uh, things were, were,
1: were, I'm know, just...
0: Breakers. Two questions to be had now. The children you were teaching then, mm. I'm wondering what their reaction would be to you and Labour now as young adults and also how you feel about it now, being well, in Labour in the position yeah, that they're uh, in now.
1: Well, yeah. what we have done, if you look at... I talk about literacy, but we have now on a national basis that we've taken... Uh, a national literacy and numeracy strategy to every school in the country. Now, people don't necessarily know this, but the building block for any society and the important thing for any young person, and particularly a disadvantaged young person, is education. That's that's the, the thing that's going to liberate them. That's the thing that's going to bring them on to the next level. Mm-hmm. And we have introduced a national literacy and numeracy strategy in every school in the country. We've also ensured that we have a rollout in this area as well of an area-based anti-child poverty strategy, which means that, I mean, I was instrumental in getting three million uh, for the Preparing for Life programme here, in, uh, you know, closely here in Darndale, uh, in Dublin 17 area, which has taken the model of Preparing for Life, with uh, and the model of, of, of Young Moon and the model of CDI in Talla, and, and rolling that out on a national basis so that you have all the different agencies that are involved in children coming together in, in a locality and empowering the parents um, to think differently about parenting, about diet, about oral language, about preparing children for school. And and we managed to put that investment in. But That wouldn't have happened without the Labour Party. And then also in, ensuring that we had a, a baseline of decency under the economy because, you know, when, when the economy fell, people were saying, well, if we just cut welfare, that'll be cheaper for the country. If we cut, pe- you know, the, the, the minimum wage, if we cut pay in the public sector, we have managed throughout this entire period to ensure that social welfare rates were maintained, that uh, the minimum wage was maintained, and that public sector pay was maintained at the lowest level. To ensure at this stage now where after, whatever, three and a half years of government, we can now talk about increasing these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Christmas bonus is being paid again, you know, mm-hmm. not the, entire, the entirety of it, but... I okay, I'm just going to interrupt you, know, that you
0: kind of now, just, just to let you catch your breath, because I have to go to a break, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think a lot of people are so sceptical now. Do you understand all this business with the mm. Christmas bonuses and, and some of the things that, concessions that have been given out over the past couple of weeks? I think people already know the reason why that's been done. But we'll be back with eight on a on in just a moment. And welcome back to Northside today here in ERFM. My name is Noam McGinnis, and uh, in the studio now I have uh, Minister Aidan O'Reardon, and he's uh, responsible for Communities, Culture and Equality, also uh, Department of Justice and Equality, as well as Department of Arts, Heritage and Gail Talk. As I said to you, Aidan, that's quite a a Mm. big remit. But at the moment the hot potato seems to be... um, uh, the direct provision yeah. and lots of things and now this is a problem that's come from subsequent governments uh, in the past I think 15 years now maybe yeah. longer
1: Well uh, just to give the background to it about 14 years ago you would have had about 10,000 people coming to the country a year uh, seeking asylum um, that's gone down to about 800, 900 a year now it's much more manageable now but at the time there was a huge crisis and uh, the agencies couldn't cope and the idea was that these centres would be, would, be, would be set up, that people could live in them, be fed, looked after. And that was fine because the original intention was that people would live there for six months mm-hmm. before they got their their answer as to what their application was in terms of uh, of seeking asylum here. So um, what's happened now, though, is that because of the nature of the system not working very well, people have been living there for 12, 13 years. There's been children who've been growing up in these centres. and uh, There was originally about 60. There's now been there's now 34. It's costing the state about 55 million a year. And effectively, you have a situation where like in Ireland, we have a kind of a love affair with institutionalised living. In the 50s, we had about 200,000 people living in mental institutions. We had the institu- in, in, industri- you know, industrial schools. Uh, we had the Magdalene laundries. We had mother and baby homes. And now, under our own watch, in the last 15 years, after everything we taught, we'd learned, we have these centres around the country where people are living institutionalised lives and children are living... In centres where they know nothing else but a direct provision centre. Okay, but
0: before, um, I knew I was going to be talking to you about this, so I, I just at random, uh, I, what I normally do is do a little vox pop myself. No, mm. I don't record that, and I just go around and ask people's opinion on different things. And I was amazed at how many people uh, had no idea, they knew about them, but had no idea. Uh, I think there was a programme recently they might have learned something on, but uh, the regime, uh, c- could you explain to me the way it works? When someone comes over, they're put into one of the, I think there's about uh, 75 I'm not sure.
1: No, there was originally about 75, but then there's 34. 34, okay. Mm. So there's
0: 34. So, what way exactly, if someone comes over, what way does it work? What way are they paid? What are they supposed to do? Are they allowed out to work? Well, or?
1: they get 19.10 they a week, uh, they get about 9 euro for, for a child that, um, that they may have in their care. They're not allowed to work, uh, their access to education is restricted, um, not at primary or the secondary level, but, but, but third level or further training. Um, they do get fed three meals a day in the centre. They're obviously, you know, they have um, they have shelter there as well. Um, and that's okay if you're going to be there for a short period of time. And I've been to centres, I've visited about 10 at this stage in the four months I've been a minister of state. And there's some of them I would have no difficulty staying in myself. And there's mm-hmm. others where I wouldn't stay a night in them. I yeah, I've heard
0: you saying that you wouldn't. Some of them you wouldn't even spend an hour. Yeah, uh, does that incite you to say, well, okay, immediately, uh, you know, mm. this is the well. one that I'm going to work on first. Get it, get it done away. I with. think you have to look at the overall
1: system. I mean, like, uh, people have said to me, just abolish the system. But I'm not going to put four thousand five hundred people on the, on the housing racing in No, I don't mean abolish the yeah. system.
0: I'm just saying when you pick when you find the worst one. If, if you've got uh, thirty four and say you find two that you wouldn't spend an hour or two and just mm. say, well, okay, they're gone. Mm. and get alternatives?
1: Well, what we have decided to do is two things. One, we bring in legislation that means that any new applicant into in the system here in Ireland will have a much quicker turnaround of their application. So we're hoping six to nine months, so there won't be a situation where they're here for years on end without a decision. The second thing we've done is we've established a working group, which has already met twice and is meeting for a third time, I think, this week. And they're looking at all the issues around direct provision. Okay, The, the reasons for the, the length of stay, the the... the, the you know, the backlog of, of time the people are, are in the system, the issues around food, the issues around the, the payments they get, access to education, access to, uh, to work. I know some people uh, in Ireland look at asylum applications and they say, well, I have very little sympathy for them. But I've met people from Af- Afghanistan, these centres. I've met people from, from war-torn countries who have come into this country. And who, who,
0: are you talking about the ordinary public would say
1: have no Oh uh, Yeah, well, some people do, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. whenever I raise this topic, I get a lot of emails from people saying, you know, people say, well, how about our own homeless situation? I mean, there's a mm-hmm. homeless man died only last night in Dublin. Um, you know, what about this, that, and the other? But I think if if you think about where we are now as a country, we're now talking about a new republic about the 1916 rising, the last hundred years of, of the of the establishment of the state, and what our value system and what we actually believe in. And we look at the fifty thousand Irish illegals that are in America. If we're going to have a regime or a system, it has to be fair, it has to be humane, and it has to treat people with dignity. And that's what a modern. Country does, and I don't believe our system treats people with dignity. I think people, are, uh, if they come here seeking asylum, they deserve an answer, they mm-hmm. deserve a quick answer, and if they get that answer, then that answer should be, uh, should be, you know, should, should, should be, should be dealt with quick. I'm,
0: I'm sure a lot of um, I, I haven't heard it, but you may, probably maybe one of the first have said that to something quick. The process seems to be so slow, but that seems mm. to apply to everything. And just to, when you're talking about uh, the anniversary of 2016, I had a good or humour the other day that they don't need really to do much in O'Connell Street just get everyone to have a minute's silence and you'll hear all the uh, people in Glasnevin spinning in their graves who died for their country around that time because they can't believe the way the country is today the mess that it's in uh, it's, it's unbelievable that, I thought that was a nice touch of humour yeah, well, to well, it
1: well people say that but I mean at the same time for every person who gets on to me and says that homelessness is, is is a problem we need to address somebody else will come on to me and say that they're paying too much tax now there, has, there comes a stage where you know the tax that we pay pays for things.
0: It's not the point of that, I you think, know, I not No, I think what a, of, a lot of people know, say services
1: it's, have to be supported, not, it's know? not
0: the point of that. It's like you have a portfolio, you know, for say, on mm. direct provision. Yeah. And I think that what when when you hear that, a lot of people will watch and see what happens and how long it takes. It's not to, uh, getting something done. Yeah. It's just how long it takes. I remember yeah. uh, I'm paraphrasing Albert Reynolds one time when he proposed the, uh, the bus lanes and he was he got so frustrated, he said, look, give me a paintbrush and a paint and, and I'll do it myself. Yeah. Where does it take so long to I do know that I agree in, you and in this country?
1: Even even sort of setting up this working group, I really wanted to meet him for the first time in September and it took until November. Small things so that can irritate. But I suppose if you want something to be done right, I mean, we, we know this from football clubs or from residence associations or from radio stations or whatever. If you want to do something right that's going to last, mm-hmm. you have to take time and do it properly. I mean, I'd love to bring it. This happens all the time with legislation. You can bring in a, a piece of legislation and guess what? It's a court case, and the, and the piece of legislation falls down, and then people say, well, why didn't you? Why didn't you? You know, read it properly. And people are always accusing us of rushing things through the door. I mean, sometimes you can't win. You know, you, you, you try and, and and push something through the door quickly so that it can have effect quickly, and then people say, well, you rushed it through. You didn't think.